from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I'm Katie. And this is the best beer show on the internet. All right. Uh, before we get too deep here, I should probably do the ad reads. The American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link above our homepage and join today. So I'm going to give a shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson and Devin Stinson. If you would like to be as awesome as our patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash blindnessstudios and become a patron today. And if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, head over to blindnessstudios.com. Click on the Amazon link above our homepage, your Amazon shopping as normal, and we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon. Really helps us out. Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately? Oh, boy. Uh, it is – I've probably talked about this, but it's shandy time at the brewery. Shandy so they time! Were brewing and canning and, um, yeah. The shandy been- thing has really kind of taken off. Um, like last week yeah. when I was talking about my, my beer odyssey – they're all they all have a shandy now. It's insane. Who? Well, so um Rush is really pushing their shandy. And yeah, you guys have a shandy. I can't remember. I don't does Oli Fun have a shandy? I don't remember now. I highly doubt it. Okay. And yeah, Pitchfork doesn't. Okay, so two out of the four do. It just seems like I know a lot. that they have shandy. I know they buy our shandy and sell it in six packs. Okay. Maybe that's uh, what Oli I saw Fun on the does. list, but Yeah, it's oh. that time of year. We we um we're just through our distribution partners. We're just it's, it's flying out the door. It's pretty. It's yeah. pretty wild. It's, it's a good thing. Yeah, we're talking about like a pallet buy. <clears throat> Excuse me, a pallet buy from. I, I would imagine that by the end of the summer, all of them will have multiple pallet buys, uh, which is really crazy. To they will okay, sure, we'll just sell you a whole entire pallet of beer, like. cool like that's a lot of beer that's a lot a lot lot of beer for us so uh it's really really neat uh it's it's weird and and that uh for it to be a shandy that's like one of our biggest beers but i'll I'll take it right yeah i did not know did uh, does rush have bottles of their shandy they do what is it called? Um, I uh, shanty. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It is called. Oh, I was close. Lemon shandy. Ah, very nice. How long have they had that? Um, I don't know. I the first time I tried it was uh, the other week at the at the park with Pete. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Nice. Let's try that. Know how long they've had that? So yeah, beer wise, I don't know. We're we're pushed doing a lot of canning and brewing at the brewery, and then a lot of cleaning jobs while we wait for the for everything to kind of open back up. So that's pretty much it. Not a whole lot. Katie, you know, I uh, this week, I towards the end of the week anyway, I started looking at um, our mash pHs and kind of seeing if those are within a range that I think works best um, and maybe considering what can maybe looking at considering and i want to discuss this with ethan and and you and justin increasing some of our acid malt um utilization by a little bit because i think some of our mash pHs are, are a bit higher 
than um, they could be. I think the, I think we could do some things to sort of brighten up the the flavor of the beer by just just a just a titch. But um, that was that's that's something that I was looking at this weekend actually, and then um, on Friday. So into it. Yeah, it's kind of kind of fun. We're kind of getting a chance to review a lot of the procedure and look at it like we were talking about last week a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very kind cool. of fun. How about you, Casey? Um, yeah, so beer-related, honestly, not much. Studio-related, quite a bit. Um, I uh, So we had um, the disaster that was uh, me not having internet and stuff, or all those issues a couple weeks ago. So I decided enough is enough, and we didn't record last week, or uh, we didn't record any episodes last week because I was uh, hardwiring all the all the computers in the in the studio. So we would have good internet connection and it seems to be working. So yay. Um, And then, yeah, uh, I also realized that if I don't have people coming down to the studio every week, the studio table just kind of accumulates stuff. And so like, (laughs) I've I've seen that. (laughs) (laughs) So like personally around me, it's great. Uh, or like on this side of the camera, it's fine, not a big deal. Uh, but like, there is literally just enough room on the table right now for my computers, and then everything else <laughs> is full of like three D printed parts and just random knickknacks and paddy whacks. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of all I've been up to. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So we are continuing our hop series that kind of started, uh, kind of kicked off um, with uh, John the you know a few weeks ago, um, and we're we're going through. Um, I believe we're all kind of going through it at the same time here, but we're going through the new IPA book uh, by Scott Janish. Um, this is kind of an update on, um, like the I uh, I guess the hops book. Right. And a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, it touches I, on a lot of stuff. I didn't even know this about this book until like what, three, four weeks ago. So I don't yeah. have it, but I need to, I need to get a, get a copy. It's uh, self published for, for one. Um, I mean, I, I can imagine somebody might pick it up at some point. I mean, a lot of work went into this book. Uh, I will say that uh, um, if, if people are looking at, at a book, that's kind of going to, start helping you push the limits of your hop flavor and aroma and your hazies and your IPAs. This is, this is one of them. Cause uh, you know, the, the, the technology and, and that, uh, the, or I'm sorry, the research in all aspects of brewing. Uh, I feel like there's something new every week. So this is neat. Yeah. To mm-hmm. um, oh, and I, I guess I forgot to mention this uh, during my, what I've been up to. Um, I got the uh, historical brewing techniques book uh, by Lars uh, Marius. Um, so I kind of excited to dive into that. It's a, uh, it's kind of a deep dive into historical brewing techniques, uh, specifically like around, um, Scandinavia and Northern Europe. Um, and so hopefully this will give me some insight into Bjorn's mind. Bjorn. <laughs> Bjorn All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, we're going to kind of take, uh, take a dive at one of the first things I found in, kind of that kind of jumped out at me in the book um and it was um i talk about hop extracts uh when we were going through hops before brian and i we we touched on hop extracts but we didn't really know much about them 
it wasn't something that we had played with. It wasn't something that we really had a chance to really dig into and research. And there honestly wasn't a ton of like easily digestible data out there. Yeah. I've had very, very little experience with it. So I'm always willing to admit when I don't know. All right. So uh, the main types of hop extracts that we're going to be talking about and that are out there are uh, the carbon dioxide, uh, supercritical fluid extraction, which is the most badass name ever, yes. uh, yeah, really. or just SFE. But I like supercritical fluid extraction, um, and then ethanolic uh, extracts, which are you know ethanol extracts. Um, so S- SFE uh, extracts contain more nonpolar com- components, uh, which are like the essential oils and like the acids of the hop, um, and ethanol uh, will contain more polar components like the polyphenols and stuff like that um and so i guess the the first the first question like when we're talking about extracts is why use extracts um and are you guys using extracts at all at the brewery or no still all yeah oh you are we um we we started to do more and more have done more and more um some of our our big hoppy beers like space force and Hudson, well, actually, we're changing up Hudson Hayes a little bit, but Space Force, Crooked, because we, the, the idea that uh, behind it is we're using it just as a bittering addition to get some of that bulk matter out of the beer so we just have a better efficiency. And it is um, definitely that. that. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you're trying to brew 15 barrels of beer. And when all of a sudden, done after all the hot matter, well, we're sitting on what, 12 and a half barrels, Katie? What's that? Oh, Sorry, I was. No, it's, you were doing that thing, or you were reading ahead, and then. Well, no, I'm, I'm actually on, <laughs> I'm on Amazon, and I'm looking to see if I can get this book that we're that we're taught we're we're doing our discussions oh, about. So yeah, you should um, be able to find it. But no, I was yeah. saying if if we put 15 barrels of uh, Space Force into a tank, how much is coming out without using uh, before? Yeah, without before, using extra. Uh, we probably lose. I bet you we probably lose probably 12 and a half. Total. So you are missing out on, you know, uh, two and a half, uh, two and a half thank, barrels. Thank you, thank you. Which is <laughs> five kegs of beer, which yeah, that's a lot yeah. of money down, down and, the drain. So, and now with the, with the hop extract, I bet you we are, we're closer to for sure over 13, I'd say we're probably 13 and a third. We're able to, we're able to collect. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's I mean that's a, that's a pretty big, like that's I mean that's that's a pretty big margin. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just for switching over to extract, um, yeah. So I mean, and that's and that's like one of the biggest ones is there's less hot material in the kettle. Um, extracts are more shelf stable than regular hop than the, like your your pellets or your whole cone. Um, and then uh, when you like at least on the homebrew level and probably on the commercial level too. Uh, you have less of an issue with hot side foam uh, formation when you're using um, extracts early in the boil because yeah, I, they don't have I all those nucleation points. These hop extracts are not not isomerized, so you, not have, isomerized. you have to boil them. Okay. There are isomerized hop extract product available, which we can get into later. Uh, we definitely will. Uh, because that is actually the next thing we're talking about is uh, when using CO2 <laughs> extracts for hot side uh, additions, you uh, you have to well you have to use them on hot side because they uh, need to be isomerized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so boiling a CO2 extract for sixty or ninety minutes will result in about thirty five percent isomerization, which I think is about what you're getting from 
from pelletized hops as well. Um, I think it's I think it's about equal, but I'm not entirely sure on that. I had I had that number and then I didn't write it down, so I forgot the number. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so just like uh, pellet CO2 extract can also be used late on the hot side uh, process for flavor and aroma, and you can get CO2 extracts in kind of like any variety that you really need. Um, is there like and you guys have more experience using extracts. Is there any reason um, to not use, like, an extract as your, like, flavor addition, like, at, or at flame out or something like that versus um, using pellets? The, you know, I would, I, this, we would have to, I'd have to kind of see it to believe it, but I would, I would think that the later edition extract would maybe not break down quite as well that that extract is really really thick and gooey and it leaves these little tiny like dark really dark like beadlets and it's just that oil and the longer it boils the more that those break down into like more minute so they're then to the point where you can't see them but if you were to add that extract say at a 10 minute addition you know 10 minutes when the boil is done i'd be a little concerned that it wouldn't break up enough in order to a um, not maybe affect what the beer looks like, but also not um, get as much of the flavor out of it or the bitterness that you would you would think you would you could. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I suppose like I have, and I haven't used like the ethanol extracts at all. Um, but I've used some like hop shots and stuff like that, and that yeah, yeah. that stuff is just very goopy. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty gross. It's really sticky, and it does it. <laughs> I've been told it tastes awful. So, oh god! I, well, I mean, have you eaten hops? That tastes bad. Don't too. ever eat hops. We taste them for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for those of you who like homebrewers who haven't used hop shots, um, and that's that's the only extract I have any um, experience with. Is like it comes out uh, like out of the syringe, like like tar. Like, yeah. and it, like, if you get any anywhere, it is sticky and doesn't go away and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always wear, I, I always, and sometimes forget, but I wear gloves when I'm, you know, we have these, they're, they look, uh, they're about the size of like those tomato juice cans that yeah. you get in the grocery store. That's about right. And it's actually only about maybe about two, two or three inches on the bottom is this extract and you have to. Yeah. It, it works out of into the can and kind of loosen yep. it up. And then you have to kind of stir it around and chop it into pieces. But it's, if you don't have gloves on your hands will be sticky no matter how many times you wash it. It's like pine tar. <laughs> so for it's in this big can is what she's saying, like a big like yeah. soup can and there's no label on it. And when you grab the can, it feels like it's going to like float <laughs> away because it's so light. You're like, you expect this can to have more, have to um, it yeah, sure. you know have to it and, and it's just this little but it's like when they put it in there it's probably up higher and it like consolidates down into this um like a puck at the bottom yeah yeah, yeah. this lump of waxy sticky stuff interesting mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess i never thought there would be that much headspace in the thing like i'm i'm thinking like a can of like condensed milk that you're pouring into the no. thing and it's so you have to like ladle wart out to loosen it up and then to get it yeah, out of I, there. I take those, you know, those like blue, um, the blue handle pliers. Mm-hmm. What are those? Socket, whatever. Uh, yeah. Channel lock. 
Yeah, channel lock. I take one of those and clamp on the can, and I just put the whole can in the boil, and then kind of, you know. Okay. Is it like a ho- like a hobo up. cooking beans over a bonfire? Yeah, probably. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 awesome. All right. Uh, yeah. So um, when using extracts for like the aroma and the flavor, um, they're typically added after fermentation. Um, they can be added to uh, filtered or bright beer. Um, and when added there, like um, the aroma uh, matches very closely to traditional dry hopping. So like if you're dry hopping with with some of these extracts um, and then but if they're added when yeast is present, it drastically reduces the the aroma and flavor i'm guessing the yeast is scrubbing out a lot of those um a lot of those like oils and uh, delicate yeah. things. or the the action that's happening is pushing like hop oils uh they're very volatile so you're probably it's probably just pushing it out the racking arm is yeah you know um and then uh so brian you mentioned pre-isomerized topics or all right um uh, yeah, so non-isomerized uh, hop extracts, and then you can get ones that are actually isomerized or pre-isomerized. And yeah. adding those to um, to bright beer can actually uh, help uh, foam stability. Definitely, but what you're gonna if if you like just straight up forget to put your extra <laughs> or your um, bittering hops in, and you do get this pre-isomerized stuff to put in post boil uh you're probably only going to get about 30 ibu out of it so yeah yeah you're not it, it does <laughs> it does not the beer that's higher than that you're kind of boned yeah it, it does not uh does not replace doing your um your it can but you shouldn't yes <laughs> um all right uh sfe extracts can also increase uh mouthfeel and fullness of body um so yeah, i mean hops do that in general yeah. that's why like the dreaded like grassy you know flavor and that if it's if it's too much it it screws up the beer but just enough is is going to give you i think more of a round rounder fuller feel to hop flavor and i feel like i feel like using wow. extracts would be a lot easier to judge that than using yeah. pellets or um, I, I think what cone. i'm saying is that you sh- you shouldn't have a beer that's devoid of some vegetal matter um, or in my opinion anyway, cause I just, I, it just gives it a, I mean, a better feel to it. Yeah. In, but in I mean, we're mind. just pulling the compounds out and if those compounds can be extracted, pre-extracted, then you, you would technically, you would have less loss then. Right. Mm-hmm. And without the vegetal you matter would. itself. Mm-hmm. But it's then at what, true, at but... what point are we, are you taking some of the, um, cause like you're, you're not getting, um, well, so like the extracts will be very consistent and very, which is good. Consistency is good, but you're also losing, um, like a little bit of that like inconsistency makes beer special, right? That's pretty much exactly what I mean by having like a more like a fuller experience with it, and yeah, the, you know, the byproduct of leaving a little bit of vegetal matter in is just makes it a a beer and not a not beer. So yeah, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Yeah, well, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying things, and we'll see. It, it, it'll it'll shuffle out at the end. I'm guessing. Only Bjorn can judge us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, there there is uh, so one one big downside uh, for bittering with extracts is a loss of um, reducing power or like the ability to prevent staling. 
So mm-hmm. all of us know, or um, and if if we don't, uh, hops was hops uh, is like a stabilizer. It will keep your beer um, like better longer. Um, like that's why you know the like the the myth of the overhopped IPAs uh, was perpetuated because like you know they would throw hops in the barrel to go to India and stuff, and that would keep them. Uh, you know, keep them fresh longer. Um, so if you don't have, so extracts don't have those uh, those compounds found uh, mostly in the vegetal matter um, to prevent the staling. So if that's something that you're relying on, you don't have that. Uh, all right. So talking a little bit more about uh, pre-isomerized extracts, uh, there's there's two types. Um, there's isomerized kettle extract, uh, IKE and potassium formed, uh, form isomerized kettle extract or pike. Um, so the regular, uh, IKE has about a 70% bitterness yield. Um, and if you remember, uh, back at the beginning of the episode, we talked, um, that the non-isomerized extracts have about a 35%. So we're basically doubling our bitterness yield with these extracts. Um, the potassium, uh, or the pike has about a 75%. So it's just a little bit, uh, better than the isomerized kettle extract. Um, and it okay, al- so that's better for later additions then. Yep. Yeah. Better for later additions. Um, yeah. Cause it also has better, uh, solubility. So like Katie was saying before how like it just gunks up and it won't like dissolve into the solution. Um, the pre-isomerized, uh, specifically the pike has, uh, has a better solubility, so it should go into solution faster. All right. Um, and then we get into, so we have three different um, types of extracts that are made by reducing um, the, uh, like some of these other extracts. It's, I'm going to I'm going to do my best here. Um mo- this mostly is, yeah, this is some territory that uh that none of us are very that familiar we're not with, very so. familiar with uh but uh, but I what it really really fascinated me about these was the fact that these these three extracts that we're going to be talking about can uh prevent um the light struck or skunky flavor in beer, which I thought was very fascinating because we've all had skunked beer and it tastes bad. Oh, you take an IPA, you set it out in the sun, like in less than ten seconds, it'll skunk. Yeah, try it, or yep. it's it's almost summer. <laughs> so anything that we can do to try to reduce that, it's like magic. Um, mm-hmm. So all right, so we have the we have the rho iso uh, alpha acids or the RHO. This is another class of extract intended for use in post fermentation. All of these are post fermentation extracts. Um, so this is made by reducing isoalpha acids with sodium uh, borohydrate, um, and it is light stable and has a smooth bitterness. So basically, that means like this um, this extract will help prevent some of that skunky flavor. But um, an interesting thing about uh, RHO is if you have any traditional like bittering in it. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything for the light struck flavor. I have a confession to make. Yep. I like skunky beer. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I think it's a little skunky. 
I was gonna say that kind of would kind of maybe take the the what do you what would you say joie de vivre out of a like a green bottled beer, green bottled and clear <laughs> bottled Corona, man. That's not know? skunky. Something I'm like, huh? Yeah. What is this really Heineken? Oh man, don't even get me started on Heineken. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like that ice cold Heineken that you get in Holland, where like oh, the thing is frosted. Yeah. Yeah, with a big frosty mug. Is there a, is it a myth that the that they actually add components to, or they do something with Heineken that's sold in the U.S. to make it a little skunky? Because that's what people expect. I have no I've idea. I wouldn't. That. I'd bet money. I, I yeah, I've heard that. So the the beer that the Heineken that they sell everywhere else is as it like, should be le- legit. <laughs> is, is like you know they make it make sure it's skunky. That's what oh, I've that's... heard. But, you know. That's funny as hell. I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so the next one we're going to talk about is uh, tetrahydroisoalpha acids, or tetra. Um, this is made uh, by palladium hydrogen uh, reduction of isoalpha acids. And these are words that I can say but don't know what they mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, so this this extract um, is light-stable. It's foam-enhancing and has a sharp non-lingering bitterness. And so when you're, when you're looking at these, um, I think you're mostly looking for what are the effects and what's the flavor effect of these extracts. So a smooth bitterness, um, I'm guessing, would go better in something like a New England-style IPA, something like where you're not looking for anything harsh. Um, a right. sharp, non-lingering bitterness, I'm thinking uh, West Coast-style pale, um, you know, the no coat, like a no-coast-style, something like that. Um, or even a, um, you know, like in, in the right quantities, I would think even like a Pilsner or something. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, with, with more foam stability, like, especially like you want that, you want that head to stick around for a while, especially on like a pills. Cause it, it adds to the, to the experience. Um, and then the last one we'll talk about is the hex, hexahydroisoalpha acids or the hexa. And so basically this is doing, um, the, uh, the sodium uh, borohydrate reduction that we did uh, for the RHO, but we're doing that on the Tetra. Um, so now we have a light, stable, foam-enhancing uh, extract with a harsh, lingering bitterness, um, like traditional isoalpha acids. So this is this is uh, the closest you can get to um, getting the your, real thing. The, the real thing, right? <laughs> um, but uh, it's also very haze-causing. Which the trend in brewing right now is that doesn't matter. So great, um, and it's also not recommended for use in the kettle. Uh, again, these are all better post fermentation. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, one of the biggest drawbacks for all of these is haze. Um, extracts have have kind of a haze issue, um, and I don't know. So uh, you guys are using it in Space Force, you said. Uh, yeah, well, we're using it in, in quite crooked. a few of our, our stuff now. Okay. Um, yeah. Have you noticed but any... Yes, also in Space Force. Have you noticed any haze issues with using switching over to the extracts? I guess the... No, I guess you're using, uh, we don't really know, I mean, but, I mean, if there's a little bit of haze in either of those two beers, it's... Yeah. I Well, I had a glass of um, Space Force, I think, on Friday afternoon, and... It was. I was actually pretty impressed. At not only the head retention, 
compared to previous batches that we've brewed, but yeah. also uh, how how the clarity of it was pretty was pretty great. So no, I wouldn't say it's a problem. Awesome. He whose name we do not speak was doing some <laughs> things that we did not know about. <laughs> so like lots of things. So anyway, moving on. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. So that's that's kind of all I have uh, to talk about extracts. Um, a lot of these finding them on the on the homebrew side is not super easy. Like if you go to Northern Brewer right now and search for extracts, um, usually I'm only seeing one or two. I'm gonna do. They that yeah, they have that hop shot. Um, yep. So Which is the just first a time CO2 I heard extract. about using extracts in beers was the Pliny the Elder. Um, the brewer of that beer, he he's always used it as a bittering addition again for that yield. And so Mini, when Mini Northern Brewer, yeah, when when they um, when Northern Brewer was able to get allowed to make that clone kit, um, they they did the same thing. They followed suit and they started getting hop extract. And it comes in like a ten mil syringe or something, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it looks like Northern Brewer has Citroen Cascade. Okay, hop shots. Um, Those are pretty common. I think. Uh, what'd you say, Citroen Cascade, Casey? Yep. Yeah, and I if you're using them, is technically CTZ, but I mean, no, I think ours. Um, or is it different nowadays? I, I, it's like it's it's there. It isn't it isn't CTZ right now. It's um, warrior. No, warrior. No, I think it's warrior. Oh, yeah, I think it's I think warrior. It's warrior. I want to say mosaic, but that is not right. I think it's warrior right now. Um, yeah, uh, and, like, I guess if you're using it for bittering, it doesn't, does it, I mean, does it make a huge difference which, which variety you're using? No, it doesn't. All right. Uh, cool. I don't really have anything else to add on Extrax. Do you guys? I got nothing. That's... About as much as I know about it. All right. I mean, there's. there's... I don't even have. Oh. I don't even have the book, so I. <laughs> right. I just... <laughs> uh, no, there, I mean, there's there's definitely some some interesting things like there's there's some brewing experiments that I would I would love to try out on some of this, like doing a 100% extract beer side by side with one that's traditionally hopped. I would love to see the difference mm-hmm. there. Um, I would love to see uh, like especially like on the dry hopping side, subbing some of these uh, extracts for um, traditional hops on that end too, because like, I mean, not having to worry about, you know, any clogged stuff with hops or whatever, which I mean, you can get around with, you know, hop spiders and all, or, and, uh, you know, stuff and like, like in keg hopping, I think would be really interesting because you could, you don't have to worry about getting all that plant matter out. Right. I would also be curious. Um, you know, you meant you mentioned that, or I, I had said it doesn't. The the if you're using bittering hops, it doesn't matter what type you're using. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. With um, pellets, I think that it definitely there are there's some, a difference. There are some yeah. Hops that you use in bittering, and that bittering addition can that are just cleaner and and well, better yeah. in my opinion. Katie and I were talking about this, and I think. Initially at the brewery, we were using Columbus, which is weird because I've literally, I think throughout my whole entire home brewing career, I kind of locked on to Magnum. And I think Katie, you were saying the same. Yep. Yep. That's my bittering for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, but we had gotten (laughs) five boxes of Columbus hops from New Glarus that were really inexpensive. Uh, And when we were just starting up, um, 
and that those five boxes of Columbus lasted us a very long time. Um, so it was it was a cost thing initially, but now uh, we have our feet under us, and I think we're probably going to move to the Magnum route. Is that yeah, correct? that's the goal. But you know, we're also bittering with the this extract, so we're not mm -hmm. using pellets quite as much. So right. there'll be pretty limited beers that will um, be using pellet hops in. But I guess my 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 question is, is if you were to use two different hop extracts like Citra versus Cascade, would you notice if a you difference? Would notice, yeah, if you yeah, would notice anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. We, I mean, I guess I'm in quarantine. I have nothing better to do than brew beer experiments. So <laughs> <laughs> time to start ordering some hop shots and, yeah. uh, yeah, playing around with some of this stuff. Um, yeah. So that is, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's it for this episode on hop yeah. extracts. I know you guys have been wanting one for a while, so you got it. I hope we answered some of your questions and I'm sure we made a lot more. Uh, so please go check out this uh, this book, uh, the new IPA. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, do that. And then I have a thing that I got to do here, right? Yeah, there we go. Outro. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnessstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnessstudios. Or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Bye.